0: His social life, it's the Terran Show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know. Cause it's a Terran show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Terran Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Terran Show. I'm back. Uh, I took a brief brief hiatus here on the Terran Show. Uh very busy with some other projects. That, uh, that I've been working on. Um, and, you know, I never I never want to put out an inferior product here with The Terran Show. don't want to rush things. So, uh, just been taking a little bit of a break. But don't worry, The Terran Show is not dead. The Terran Show will never die until it dies. Someday. Because everything dies. You know. That's how things work. But not not, na- not yet. We're, we're freezing our... We're freezing... We just froze the body, as, uh, as I talked about with Kevin Martin. And this week... I've got a great guest with me. I've got Mary with me, who is uh, from from Monday M- Mary Mondays, Mon- Monday Mary Mondays. That's I'm pretty sure the, the official name. Um, she's been on uh, many of the Social Strategy Sunday uh, Twitch streams that I've been doing. Uh, if you've checked those out, very very fun stuff there. And also uh, was on a season of Sequester, Mary. Mary, you really you get around. How you doing?
1: I do, I do. I uh, just just been exploring everything as quickly as it comes
0: yes uh so uh mary ha- how are you how are you uh, how is how has life been
1: it's great i'm really glad that you reached out to me i hope that there's probably going to be a fair number of people who are just going who is she who is this person but yes you know i'm I'm getting into the the rhap universe trying to to assist you with some some of those big brother live feed updates, because it's a ridiculous amount of work that you do on those. So trying to help out wherever I can, but, but yeah, I actually really got into everything from your, one of your first Terran shows, the one you did with Audrey Middleton last summer. That's when I heard about sequester and really got into the whole, the whole deal.
0: Yes. The whole deal. All right. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, so, I. Uh... Mary, where 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 did you come from here? Where, where where did you grow up? Where where do you live?
1: I live in Richmond, Virginia, which, if you watch The Bachelorette, was just recently featured, and they made Richmond look real good. Can't say that it necessarily looks that great in person, but I primarily grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, and then moved here after college. So been been on my own out here for a little over a year, but. Um, definitely, a homebody. Go home to Charlottesville almost every weekend. It's not that far away, only like an hour. Or so big, big, close family. Uh, that's really my source of, I guess why I have remained this close. I was never really the kind of person who wanted to go particularly far away i never dreamed of moving to a big city or anything like that so i kind of just found a job that was as close to remaining at home without being at home
0: what so you have a big family what was uh what was the family like growing up how many how many siblings
1: okay well i said big what i guess i meant was like big. (laughs) that's not really what i meant i think we all just have such unique personalities that it felt like a lot going on uh only you know three kids mom and dad uh we're one of those like obnoxiously close families that still get together and go to dinner all the time. And when all of my friends in middle school and high school were trying to just hang out, you know, with other friends, we were still going to marching band events together and hanging out. So we're really, really close. But yeah, I'm the middle child, older sister, younger brother. And we, uh, we all have remained really close. I think the fact that we're only we're less than two years apart, each of us, so less than four years total. And I think that makes it easier especially as we've gotten older to remain close and be friends we never really i mean you know you fight like anyone does but it's kind of the thing where our parents would get mad at us like oh you guys are fighting we're like chill mom we'll be fine in like two minutes just, we just just have to get this out so so what what
0: makes, what makes what makes a family close like that like what like what do you think it is that uh that made you so uh such a tight-knit tight-knit group
1: i think the biggest thing is that i grew up I say Charlottesville, but it was really a sort of small town outside of Charlottesville. And you lived in a neighborhood. And I didn't understand the concept of like big neighborhoods until I got a lot older because our neighborhood was just, you know, one street with whatever, 20 houses or so. And there were a lot of kids my age. And you just learned like growing up, no, you don't get to go to your school friend's houses, unless it's a special occasion or a weekend, you spend time with your family, you hang outside and, you know, play in the woods with your brother and sister and maybe the the neighborhood friends. But I think the fact that we lived pretty far away, it would take 15 minutes to drive to get anywhere. And, you know, growing up, we didn't have we didn't have like cars for the kids. We just had cars for our parents. And if we wanted to go anywhere, we needed to organize all of our activities together. So I think just sort of the logistics made it easier. And, you know, when you're growing up, especially in high school, you get frustrated with your parents. for like, well, everyone else has a cell phone. Everyone else has a car. Why can't we hang out and, you know, go, you know, like birthday parties, we would just show up for the party. You couldn't necessarily always sleep over or hang out that much. And I always thought, you know, oh, when I have kids, I'm going to do it so differently. And then of course you get older and I now realize that's probably why we're as close. And I really, appreciate the way we grew up but yeah definitely the being secluded in a small town really helps
0: (laughs) yeah and so would you say that you're you had like really good parents that you know they were they really fostered a, a good environment
1: oh yeah i think i'm a perfect mix of my parents as well so we really feed off of each other i have always really valued the uniqueness of both of my parents but primarily my father is really like does not care about acting goofy. He was always, you know, dressing up for different events. And I remember in like elementary school, he was featured in our yearbook, you know, more than like certain kids were just from attending everything. And he doesn't mind being goofy and just really being himself. And my mom is just really nurturing and very... Uh, the glue that holds everyone together and gets us everywhere we need to go on time and all that. So I think, yeah, my parents have definitely been, (laughs) it's funny because I feel like I have so much pressure to be perfect and like find a perfect spouse like they did. I mean, perfect. No one's perfect, but they have just really made everything work. They were high school sweethearts, went to prom together. And so you kind of look at that and you go, man, I need my life to follow the same path and figure out how, how it works. And, uh, you know, you go through breakups and stuff and, you know, I just think like, wow, how did they do it? How, you know, why am I not so lucky? I guess.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like it's, it's a trade-off or do you feel like it was a negative thing? Uh, it's like, like, did they set a good example that you wanted to follow or is it like too much pressure to have to live up to that standard?
1: I mean, I think the pressure is entirely just something I've put, like I've, created they've definitely never uh you know said like oh you need to marry someone that you've met early on any anything like that probably if anything it was the opposite but uh that's definitely something that i've just fabricated they really have just been setting a great example of like you don't pick someone and then say oh what if there's someone else out there you pick someone and you commit to them and that's just how it is. And I mean, if there's real problems, then, you know, that would be a different story. But I think with them, they just, they found each other. And once they got married, they just really stopped looking. And I think that that like, has been a huge reason why they've stuck together for 30 years now. And, you know, both of my grandparents, sets of grandparents have just had their 50th uh, wedding anniversary. So I come from a family of like, you know, success stories. (laughs)
0: Uh, do, do you, do, right, so is that, is that like a, a primary goal of yours to, uh, to become a success story of your, of your own?
1: Yeah. I mean, not necessarily in the exact same way, but for a really long time, I was dating someone who I had been in high school and we, you know, started dating when, gosh, I was 16. I don't even think they were 16 yet. And we, <laughs> Went our separate ways fairly recently, only a few months ago. And so we had been dating for like seven years. And I really thought like, oh, this is it. You find your person. You have this path. And I hear my brother and sister complaining about like, oh, I don't know if I want to do Tinder. How do you meet people and all this? I'm like, oh, you just find someone. It just works out, you know. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, like, oh, shoot, it doesn't always work out. (laughs) Rewind. But, But yeah, for a really long time, I thought I was going to be like on a very similar path to my parents. Not not necessarily getting married like right out of college, but definitely in the next several years. And that was like a big goal of mine. I think growing up in a family that was so close, it's something that you realize is important. You know, some people have their careers or other interests that are their primary goal. And I think for me, like my relationships and friendships have always been number one for me, with pretty much everything else being second, third, fourth. So. I don't really think that's changed. It's more just, you know, I'm on a different timeline now, but that's about it.
0: (laughs) So so you're like just very recently having to sort of cope with this new idea that maybe maybe this, you know, thing, this idea that you could have this story where you met somebody very early on, like that's that's kind of disappearing uh, or or has disappeared a little bit to you.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I'm never going to be able to say, oh, we knew each other since fifth grade right. and we dated in high school and um but at the same time, I think one of the things we both realized because it wasn't it wasn't a messy breakup or anything. It was sort of a realization we had kind of simultaneously that oh, we are becoming very different people after all of this time than we were when we were, you know, kids and we are moving in kind of very different directions and so maybe we shouldn't pursue this. Uh, and I think something that holds you back for a really long time was the fact that we had this story and the fact that we had been getting together for so long. And um, while I won't ever say that I regretted or that it was a mistake, it's the kind of thing where you look at and you say, just because you've been doing something for so long doesn't mean you should keep following that path. So, yeah, it was it was kind of jarring. And I wonder if I would have ever made that decision fully on my own because I was sort of following my parents you know idea of you find someone and you just commit to them and that's just how it works is that you you deal with the good and the bad and you work through things but you've picked someone and that's kind of it and so at the same time I feel like there was a lot of relief when everything happened because I realized like There have been a lot of things, not just in my relationship, but in my life that I've been holding back on and that I haven't been pursuing because I've been putting these relationships first. So uh, I think that it's... (laughs) definitely had a lot of pros the real cons were like the logistic things of like okay now you need to find a new place to live and you need to move and did you even want to be in this city or was a lot of it because where they had decided to move and stuff like that you know it was kind of like the tricky parts of life and I I weirdly feel like I was I was so grown up and mature and I was like you know we you share all your dishes and you live together and all that. And then to sort of reverse course and move in with roommates and, you know, have one room to myself. And that's the biggest thing is living in a townhouse that had like three bedrooms and eight closets. That was, that's the really biggest thing I'm missing right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I mean, that must be a big shift. So, uh, so how how old are you?
1: I am 23. And I know that's when everyone goes, Oh my gosh, you're so young. Mm. Don't worry about the future. But I think the thing for me is, you know, the second anyone has a big life sh- change, whether it be job or moving or a breakup or whatever, everyone says, oh, great, now it's time to figure out yourself and figure out who you want to be. My argument has been like, I already knew who I wanted to be. I already knew exactly what I wanted. I had that. And now I have to. It's more of a different mindset as opposed to really changing what I want. I know what I want still. I just need to go get it. But, but yeah, I'm, I, I I'll be. I'll be 24 soon. I mean, I can, I'm not going to be, you know, like calculating. That's how old am I? Gosh, I keep saying I'm 24 because I keep thinking that's how old I am. Yeah. I guess I'm not. Um. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I know that I'm still fairly young, but my parents, like I said, they got married when they were 22, right out of college. So I feel like, oh no, I'm getting farther and farther <laughs> away.
0: <laughs> so do you feel, do you feel like uh, th- this idea that like, I mean, you, you know, being in a committed relationship for so long, uh, and and you know, like you know, having all all of the stuff that you did, and sort of like feeling like your life is planned out that way. It it it. Uh, you talked about feeling like maybe you were uh like oh this is just the way things go, and you know it probably made you part of your identity be like you know I am here, like I am at the sort of matured state where I know what I where I am and what I'm doing and who I want to be. Um. So, is it weird like now? adjusting or do you feel like uh, you need to sort of bridge the gap between who that person is and, and who you are now
1: yeah the the biggest thing is when you pick someone to be in a relationship with and when you go through that I uh, you it's natural with life unfortunately is that you do move a little farther away from your other friendships that you might have had so the biggest thing for me is now I when you're, especially since I was long distance all through college as well, I became friends with a lot of couples and pretty much everyone I was friends with in college is engaged or married and also sort of moving along that path. So I feel like the odd person out now, uh, in a lot of ways. And there were, you know, other friendships that I didn't prioritize as much because I was sort of feeling done. And, and part of that is my personality. Like my ex and I had a lot of similarities in terms of we both didn't have any desire to live like in town or go out a lot. We would come home and play video games and, you know, hang out and have board game nights or whatever. And we felt like, you know, there were a lot of jokes of like, oh, you're the old married cu- couple and stuff like that. And You know, whatever. I know we are so young, but but you still you have that part of your identity. And then for me now, I sort of knew the second everything ended, I thought, OK, I need to move closer into the city, and I need to find some people to live with. Uh, Luckily, I had some time on my lease (laughs) to make these decisions. But the reason I had to do all that was not because that's what I wanted, but because I knew if I stay way out in the suburbs where I was living, I would not make any friends. And I would just, you know, shut myself away. And I really needed to go force myself to kind of change like my day to day lifestyle. Uh, Nothing in the long term has really changed in terms of what I want, but I felt like I didn't want to just wait around and, you know, feel sorry for myself. I still needed to make progress towards what I wanted and whether that be, you know, I'm not like in a rush to get in another relationship, but I'm more just wanting to be around people so that I can make those connections and not feel so alone. Since, like I said, you, you do add distance from other friendships when you're, prioritizing your relationship. So that was the plan. (laughs) I've pretty much since the breakup been doing a lot more stuff online, though. And Big Brother has been a great distraction, but has not necessarily gotten me out of the house. (laughs) So I'm not really sure how well that's working, but uh, I have uh, luckily everything with Rob as a podcast has really worked out in terms of being a great distraction (laughs) for my life change.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Online people are, are just as valuable, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like I moved, but then immediately started, you know, Twitch streaming and talking to people from the like ORG community and getting more invested in rob as a podcast so yeah i didn't necessarily (laughs) make the best decisions in terms of getting out of the house but i'm trying i just i just re-upped my uh membership to a climbing gym so i'm trying Ah. to get back into like bouldering and that kind of thing yes So yeah really really fun and uh, it's just so hot. So I don't want to do anything outside. So the indoor gyms, that's really my my go to.
0: It's funny, because uh, I I had a membership to a climbing gym. And I was like, my excuse was it's too cold. It's too cold <laughs> to go out and get there.
1: It works both ways, though. Because in the winter, you want to be working out, but you want to be indoors. And uh, unless you want to have like a i don't know regular gym membership well you do the you have like a trainer and everything right
0: yeah i mean i I have like a i have a a home gym uh that i like it was it was the the climbing gym was literally just for climbing because i actually prefer to work out at home um because a uh nobody's around and that's my preferred state of being and then um b uh i don't have to go anywhere i don't have to go out in the cold to work out
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I always have the dilemma of not wanting to shower like 18 times a day. So mm-hmm. it's like you either have to work out in the morning before you've showered if you're a morning shower person, or at the end of the day. And uh, I am not about waking up early enough to work out. So uh, that's, that's another reason why I got into climbing, which I actually did in college. um, it's funny because I feel like so much of my life is just revolved around these these breakups. But we uh, my my uh, ex and I had we it's not like we were seven years completely smooth. We had broken up, you know, a couple of times for a few months here and there. And one of the times I did was in college when I. Uh, that's when I first started getting into climbing because I did sort of the same thing. Every time that I've been through a break, I've been like, okay, time to really invest yourself in all your old hobbies and find some new ones. And I immediately start like writing fan fiction and I don't know, working out more. Those are not related, but <sighs> whatever. That's the truth.
0: Write fan so. fiction while you work out.
1: Oh yeah, that would be, that'd be good. It's it's hard enough for me to try to like watch TV while I work out if I'm running on a treadmill or something, but I don't know who actually enjoys running on a treadmill. My uh, my family is are also really big runners, and that's another, like, again, it's not a pressure. They don't say, like, you must be a runner, but I always felt like growing up when I did other sports that my parents were kind of like, yeah, we'll come see your field hockey game, but, you know, there's also a cross-country meet at the same time, so... And I was like, all right, fine. I'll just do the same, you know, same things that my brother and sister did. So we would all just be together. But I don't know. I felt like I tried to rebel a little bit and do some different activities. But it's a lot easier logistically, especially when you have one car to just do the same thing with everyone else. (laughs)
0: Yes. Well, so do, so I mean, do you feel like like where do you see the, the failing in, in, in the relation? Do you feel like it was that you, it was too early and that you weren't ready for it? Or do you feel like you were ready for it? You still you still feel like you you feel very confident in the person you are. You just didn't find the right other person to to share it with.
1: Right. I think it was more the latter because, you know, I. I look at all these other relationships and say, well, how are they making it work? You know, and what what was it that we didn't have? Um, I think a lot of it is that I have always viewed myself as being like really knowing who I was and what I wanted from a pretty young age. And I don't feel like I've changed that much growing up. Um, But I feel like my ex was sort of drastically changing, you know, parts of their personality and not not in negative ways, just in ways that didn't really fit with me anymore. And so I think, you know, they're they're a great person and I, you know, respect them and and all that. But I just think that they didn't quite know exactly what they wanted the same way I did. Um, so I think they were sort of fine committing to things like for the time being. But never fully felt comfortable i don't even i don't even think it's like with the same pace that i was moving at more that they you know like on reality tv when people say like oh i i said that to you but i wasn't lying i meant it at the time Mm. i feel like that was a lot of our relationship was they meant it at the time they just changed their minds a lot so whether it be like oh i'll come visit you this weekend Sorry, never mind. I can't. I changed my mind. I'm like, why were you why were you leading me on? You could have just said no. Uh, I feel like it was that sort of thing where there was a lot of changing their mind about different things as they got older and and I don't necessarily think that they, you know, I'm sure this decision for, you know, both of us has been really difficult, but I think that for them, I luckily don't have to live with the the thoughts of like what if what if I had made a different decision? Um and I think that they probably do have to consider that every once in a while, uh, but I think, yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just not a hundred percent knowing what you want yourself, and so it's really hard to commit to someone else when I don't think they fully knew that at any given time, so I don't know i I mean it's <laughs> it's hard I'm not I'm not trying to be like oh I'm perfect and here's all the reasons they failed I think it's more just I knew what I wanted and I'm not really sure that they did at those times and then I think there was a point when they realized what they wanted and it wasn't you know where the same path I was going down so it's kind of I don't know it's it's hard but it's also like having been with someone for that long I knew them very well so it didn't necessarily come as a shock to me it was more of a thing that i was hoping they were going to grow out of and i think they just sort of became more uh became more different than they had been when i first started dating them so
0: yeah it's well it can be hard like when, especially when you, I mean, it even happens with friendships, but especially with relationships where, uh, you know, you know, somebody when you're young, there's still a lot of growing up to do and, uh, a lot of changes to, to like that that are gonna, they're gonna go through. Um, and so it's, uh, it's tough to, to find somebody like your parents did where, you know, it's just like, I feel like it, it really doesn't even have to, to do necessarily with the people themselves. It's really just like, you have to get lucky if, if you want a relationship from that early on to work out because, uh, you just have to hope that the life circumstances that come your way, uh, and, and everything that happens as you're growing up and developing into, you know, the adult that you're going to be, uh, you know, remains consistent with the, uh, with what works in the relationship.
1: And the other thing that I think I realized as I grew up was that I had a lot of friends who were very religious. And so they, I, I think it's, Just sort of statistically, people who are more involved in their religion tend to, you know, maybe they get engaged before they move in together, get married, you know, sooner or whatever. And you you kind of just have a different mindset on how all that works, not 100 percent of the time. But in a lot of these cases, that's what I was noticing. And since the two of us were a lot more uh, agnostic, I guess we didn't really have those, uh, societal pressures on us. Um, not to say that our parents wouldn't have necessarily, you know, preferred that we did things in a different order, but I think that, that, you know, that can be a benefit if that's something that you're both, uh, if you're both really on the same page. Uh, for me, I always thought like, oh, I don't, I'm not worried about, like, being taken advantage of because we're not engaged yet or whatever. I thought, you know, logistically, we're both moving to the same city. It makes more sense to move to, you know, live it, live together. And we've been long distance for so long that I think that, you know, we should probably hang out, you know, closer together, um, which also is another big factor in that I actually, contrary to what pretty much everyone else in the world says, I loved long distance. I think, especially in college, I don't know how people could be in a relationship and be, like near each other every single day while they're trying to study. I was like, "This is great! I can have my own friends, not have to worry about like being in different circles or doing different hobbies. I can study, and then we can just, you know, like text each other or whatever." And and I have friends who were in long distance relationships, but were like Skyping every night and all that. And like, wow, we don't even really do that. We just we just sort of talk occasionally. Uh, but but it was really, I think, just having been through so much growing up, we knew each other well enough to know that's, like, what we both wanted. Um, Because I really had, like, I had a childhood, especially in, like, middle school and high school, that, looking back, I feel like fits really well in those, like, you know, those young adult series where it's, like, colorful books and it's just sort of ridiculous stories of, you know, cliques and mean girls growing up and all that and I really feel like my life would fit into one of those stories really well just sort of in all the drama that we had and and my mindset growing up was kind of like the overseer of my group of friends and really living like from the outside and observing what everyone else was doing. So I don't know. It was a fun time. But but yeah, I don't I don't regret anything that I've done in my life or in my relationships. I just think that some people <laughs> some people get more lucky with who they pick. I think the more you know about what you want and the more open you are in telling the other person that the more likely you are to stay together. Uh I have a hard time, you know, listening to people when they text someone and they're like, I've got to wait X number of minutes or hours before I can text them back. It's like, if you're not communicating normally, what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But sorry, that was a lot of different things I just went
0: through. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it works. Um, is it, well, is it, I mean, you, you, you're you clearly like very uh, – you're very sure of yourself, like, like you you are. You know yourself really well, and and you uh, and and I think that's a really good thing. And and I feel like uh, it's a it's a quality that a lot of people um, struggle to achieve. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that it's like growing up in such a, a good environment with your family, or do you feel like uh, being in being in a relationship through these very tumultuous times kind of helped you figure out who you wanted to be and be confident, and, and more importantly, be confident in that person. Uh, how how do you think that came about?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination. I mean, I think I'm definitely a lot more uh, assertive and, you know, I have a much more aggressive personality than either of my siblings. So I can't necessarily say that (laughs) the way I grew up really affected a lot of that. I mean, some of it comes from being a middle child and wanting to be more independent and wanting to stand out and never feeling like I was the you know, babied one or the particularly celebrated one. So you try to do extra things. And through that, you spend more time alone and get to know yourself. Um, so I think that's part of it. Also, the the relationship stuff, I have definitely not always been this way. I think that through my first couple breakups again all with the same person so it's just sort of ridiculous but I think that going through those things they were much harder the first couple times and there was a point in my life that I think really struck me around college when I realized you know just be just be confident like people are always so worried about how they come across or how they look or what people think of them and I realize if you just sort of pretend like you know what's going on and you pretend like you know yourself you'll end up feeling much more comfortable and just being able to really be yourself and and not caring what other people think of you or what your hobbies are or being known as the Harry Potter nerd or do whatever just embrace whatever you like and really go for it um that definitely has some negative side effects with, you know, I have been called, you know, bossy and, and too and like, I talk too loud and too aggressively. And, uh, you know, all of that kind of thing. So there's, there's definitely downsides, I'm sure that it can be intimidating, or, you know, can turn people off of not being so, I don't know, demure or whatever. But, but that's not really me. I just kind of go with, What I who I am and what I like. And funnily enough, that's actually something that I was afraid of when I went to college is you're meeting all these people for the first time. And I realized, shoot, like, I have built my whole personality of being sort of the quieter person uh, who's more of a you know nerd or whatever but then when you get to meet them she opens up and it's Mm. like oh didn't see that coming you know that was that was really like what I spent my whole life building up to have that personality like you have to get through the surface but then you're surprised and then I realized when I went to college like I could accidentally you know Play one game of Never Have I Ever, and then ruin. The, everyone's like, "Oh, cool. We, she's, you know, cool person." But we already f- figured it all out. I wanted to. I wanted it to be more of a process for them to get to know me. How can I surprise them if I just do it right on the first day? So, that just resulted in me being much more introverted than I, you know, because I'm, I'm a, I'm outgoing, but I'm definitely much more introverted now than I used to be, just in terms of, like, laziness and not wanting to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, is, what what do you think? What do you think uh, has contributed to that uh, that idea? Like, I mean, this is is obviously something that you're you're dealing with now. Um, you're you're now single, I, I assume. Um, and yes. uh, yeah,
1: I didn't I didn't flip a switch that fast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and so, not that
1: that's a bad thing. Hey, some people are just like you know really great at being monogamous and and going from one relationship to the next. And I I envy the the people who can do that, but. I need I need more time.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that uh that, that makes sense to me. Um and so well but so like uh, you you find yourself in this position where you are kind of uh, Trying to adapt to a new situation, uh, a a new environment. You're trying to uh, sort of get back out there, so to speak, um, uh, which is something that you, uh, you know, you usually hear from you know somebody who's a little older. Um, (laughs) But uh, like, what what is the most challenging part of that?
1: Uh, The most challenging part is feeling like I have to change change the activities that I like in or just in order to meet people. Um, you know, I think that Like, if you don't want to do online dating, people say, well, you need to, you know, just go pick activities that you would want to meet people at and go do those things. And I'm like, yeah, well, the activities that I want to do are playing video games and, you know, board games and watching reality TV. So it doesn't work great for that. Um, I'm really, man, I'm making myself sound very, very boring. I I also, you know, I I do enjoy, I, I think the problem is that like all of the, outdoorsy or active or other types of things that I really enjoy doing, I do with my family. And I know, like, yeah, I could go meet someone and go play, you know, frisbee golf or whatever, but I know I would have more fun doing that with my family. So what's the point? (laughs) Um, And that can be, you know, I feel like in the long run, you realize that whether it be like your group of friends or your family, the people who are going to last in your life, Those are the people that I just have decided to invest more of my time with. Um, But but yeah, the the being more introverted thing really came with coming to college. And I had a very rough freshman year of college due to a lot of different circumstances. Uh, The dorm I lived in wasn't particularly great. The people in it. I think my my sister, who's, you know, a couple years older than me, she went to college and just happened to get really lucky with like had a hall of friends who remained friends for years and years and years. And for me, I wasn't I, I didn't really have the same circumstance. I lived in a very small dorm that was mostly guys, but it wasn't like spread out. It was like all the guys were shoved on one end and then all the girls were shoved on the other end and the girls were all. I don't know, put it this way, halfway through the year, half of them were either arrested, had quit school or moved out or whatever. It was a very bizarre situation. I don't know what happened there, but, but yeah, I mean, I made a couple good friends, but I, I didn't really have the same experience that I was expecting. Um, I also was studying engineering and didn't have any friends in my classes. So was just sort of struggling, felt like I was struggling by myself. Um, And there was a lot of drama with like sororities and other things. That's just a whole nother story. Um, but, but yeah, there, there was a lot of things like that. Um, but the biggest one is that all of my really, really close friends from my whole life growing up, they all went to different schools. So I didn't have any of them with me and, or a couple of them were still younger too in in high school, but I spent a lot of time and effort trying to remain in contact with them um, as well. You know, I tried meeting new people wasn't like I was just doing this, but I felt really strongly that these were, you know, these were my people that I really liked and wanted to remain in contact with. So whether it be, you know, mailing them things on their birthday, or, you know, talking to them all the time, I was I was really trying to make that work, even though everyone always tells you, oh, like, Forget forget your high school friends when you go to different schools, to just meet new people. But I really wanted to make it work. And when it ended up not working with a lot of them for a lot of different reasons, I kind of retreated and I was like, I have put all this effort for, you know, 12 years into these friendships that I thought were like the best friendships of my life. And then realizing that a lot of them went to school and they were saying, Oh, these are all the best friends I've made. Sorry, don't need you anymore. I really felt like, what's the point of even making close friends anymore. So I felt like make a couple friends in college who you can just sort of make it through with, but no need to get too attached because I just didn't want to go through that again.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, that's tough Uh, and and especially like uh, I I, obviously you had you always had the the one person that you were with. Right. And that, you know, probably let you allowed you to feel like, well, um, you know, do I like how many of these people do I need? Is that is that is that part of what you felt?
1: exactly um that was around the same time that we had broken up in college and there were some interrelated issues with them you know being interested in some of my friends who were also involved in this situation and oh my yeah it was just a great first year of college let me tell you (laughs) what
0: what, what was that about what they're interested in your friends yeah,
1: yeah i mean it's kind of like I feel like this has been, you know, 4 years ago at this point so I kind of moved past it but but yeah there was some drama with um with my best friend and my ex-boyfriend sort of like a week after we had broken up very out of the blue, in my opinion, I did not realize, you know, that's where we had been what we had been moving toward because we had we had decided let's take a break before we go to college um, just because we're going to different schools and we don't want to, you know, better to better to come in single than, you know, try to make it work and then break up because because we're not meeting other people or whatever. And so we had done that. But very shortly after we got to college, there was a lot of, oh, never mind. I don't like any of these people. Let's just get back together. And that worked for, you know, six months or so. But then when the second semester started, I think the pressure of, of being long distance was really getting to us. So we um, we had broken up then. Then to find out, oh yeah, well that long distance thing wasn't great. Except for I might do long distance with your best friend instead, and that was rough to say the least. So, uh, and at this time we were we were all sort of a, a big group of my friends were were still trying to you know see each other on summer breaks and winter breaks and stuff like that, and it became very awkward <laughs> between all of us. Um, and uh, luckily things did eventually work themselves out somewhat and get better, but it was, uh, it was not a fun experience to go through. And also to not have people around that. I really felt like I could confide a lot of that in, um, you know, because all these things are happening, but it's not like you're all there and can hash it out. It's like, you're finding out things days spread apart because you're all in different cities or States or whatever. So, um, not great.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, are, are you are you still friends with these people?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, you know, something like that happens and you're never going to be able to be the same again. But uh, I <sighs> the hard part is that, you know, you go through something like that with, you know, an ex and you're you know, you think about all the negative things. And then if you get back together, you forgive them for all of that stuff. And whether or not that's like healthy to do, I don't know. But at the time, I felt like, okay, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past, because, you know, I've still gotten what I wanted at the end, and we're stronger for it, and blah, 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 you know, all the things you tell yourself to make you feel better. So of course, once we were, you know, happy again, I was like, sure, I can still be friends with, you know, these these other people because, uh, it doesn't matter. I won or whatever, really healthy way of looking at things. But, but, uh, yeah, I, I think looking back, you know, while the decisions you make when you're that age are sometimes misguided, I think that you have to kind of ex- accept the fact that like we were young and, I don't want to hold it against people who I'd been friends with for a really long time that they, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Say, sorry, you can't ever be interested in this person. You know, I don't know. It's I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) Do I sound convincing? (laughs)
0: It's very, very convincing. Uh, Everyone, everyone believes you.
1: (laughs) Well, but yeah. And I mean, at the time, of course, it was really difficult. But but truly now I feel like I'm just so over the drama of, Mm. of that, of that age that, you know, like I had friends who I would be sort of, I guess I, I, since I, from that point on decided, okay, I'm not really going to make any best friends anymore. I'm just going to sort of hang out with people casually. And there were a lot of great parts of that is I didn't get into any drama with any of my college friends. I also didn't get majorly close with any of them. And, you know, you kind of, miss out on that as well. Um, but I would see people in college fighting after having known each other for, you know, a year or less. I'm like, what are you guys even fighting about? Like, just, just make up and whatever, because come on, you you haven't known each other that long. This is not life or death. And from that point, I think that I've also, when I get into arguments with friends, I tend to just sort of try to try to make it work. And, you know, you don't hold grudges, as much because it's just not worth it. It's not, it's not worth, um, that sort of, yeah, drama and sadness when it doesn't need to be that way. If people just sort of are communicating better. Yeah.
0: Yeah uh so so what is what is the plan from here you know you uh you're you're living uh, with some roommates and you're you're trying to get out more and then that's just kind of the goal for now uh like where do you see what what are you trying to achieve uh in the future here
1: yeah i don't know (laughs) do i I have a great plan um you know and that's another thing that through this breakup has been sort of weird, is that like, I I studied uh, computer science. And so I I'm a software developer, and I love my job. And I have a great job. And that was luckily one of the sort of stable factors in my life, when everything else sort of went up in smoke, and I had to make all these new plans. It's like, okay, well, at least you still have a job and you have stability. So you're fine. You're, you know, you're just, you're going through emotional turmoil, but not Actual, you know, life changing, you know, hardship. So I um, have been mostly trying to get more involved in my career path and seeing where that's going to go because I had spent a lot of time feeling like this is something that I want to be doing. But in the back of my mind, you thought, well, yeah, but when I marry, you know, an orthodontist, everything is going to be fine anyway. So it doesn't matter that much. Um, And now it's kind of like, okay, yes, you actually do need, you know, (laughs) need to really, you know, concentrate on your job and make that make that a priority. So um, not that I wasn't already, but more of just sort of thinking in the back of your mind that everything is going to be fine, you know, no matter what, no matter what happens in life, because you'll always have that stability. And um, and like I said before, I haven't really been the type of person who felt like, traveling or, or, um, you know, my career was like my driving force behind my life. Um, And so it was never, it was always something that I was doing and putting a lot of effort into, but not something that I felt particularly fulfilled from. And so the good part of this is that I'm now being able to see, like all that my job and my career path has to offer. And, uh, you know, that's been, that's been really good for me in a lot of ways. And it's definitely something that I also think, like, will make myself more stable in the future. Because if I go through anything like that, again, I will be, I I guess my priorities will be in slightly different places so that I can uh, fall back on something (laughs) a little more. And, you know, it's not good to put all of your emotions kind of in one basket because yeah if it if it doesn't work out then you feel like you're not doing something worthwhile so good to good to just sort of spread that out
0: and now for a brief interruption today's episode is brought to you by casper casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your bed rest one night at a time now I may be a robot, but Casper is designed by humans for humans. So all of you human listeners, uh, Casper is just for you. Uh, they are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable while you, while you do it. You should. It's uh, that's a lot of time. That's 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 how you min max life there. Uh, the experts at Casper worked tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Now I'm a, I, I'm somebody that is big on reviews. I spend hours before any purchase. <laughs> making sure i'm getting the best one the 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 high the most highly rated thing and with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across casper amazon and google casper is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress now those are for the original casper mattress which combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce, and it has a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. But Casper also offers two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, and the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Casper also offers a wide variety of other products, like pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience, all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. Casper has affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and they sell directly to you. They have hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. They deliver right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box, which are very cool when you open because they like expand like they're magic. And you have free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada, so you can try it, and then if you don't want it, send it right back. That's... Listen, listen. The thing about buying beds is that... You are supposed to sleep on this bed for years and you go to a store. Even if you like if you're ordering a bed online, it's like, well, how, how am I supposed to order a bed online? I'm, I'm, I don't even get to try it. But even if you go to a store, you can like lay in it for a couple of minutes. But it's just like, how am I supposed to know what this is, what this feels like for years to come when I get to lay on it for a few minutes? It, it just doesn't make sense. All beds should have this uh, this capability where you get to. Try it out for a uh, a period of time before sending it back and you know how much time you have when you uh when you order with casper you get a hundred nights of risk free sleep on it trial you can sleep on it for a hundred nights you truly can figure out this is the bed for me or this is not the bed for me before you commit to the purchase you can uh you can send it back uh before the hundred nights is up and there you go. That's it. You get to the the whole thing. I'm telling you, this is how you should buy beds. So if you are interested in trying Casper out, here's what you need to do. You you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Taren and using the promo code Taren at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. But again, if you go to, to casper.com/taren and use that promo code Taren to checkout, then you will get fifty dollars toward select mattresses there at Casper. You can try it out. You can see what you see, how you feel. See how it goes. Support the podcast in the process. Uh, you know, make get get more Terran shows out there. Um, and uh and and there you go. That's that's what you should be doing. Uh check out the Casper stuff. Thank you guys who uh who have always been very supportive of the podcast and who go out and uh prove to these advertisers that uh that the Terran show is where they want to be. So uh check them out and let's get on with episode 51. The Taron Show. Through all of this, you did get involved in uh, in Sequester in RGP, but how did you uh, how did you start your interest with uh, with these shows, Big Brother, Survivor, whatever it is? Uh, where where did all that start?
1: Yeah. So I always wow. This is I'm sorry, but this is probably going to be somewhat related to <laughs> my, <laughs> my dating life as well. So I watched Survivor, you know, growing up with my family since it came on, I can, you know, shout at Jeff Propes and be like, I was one of those kids, one of those kids that you're trying to tell them to apply and you will snuff their cho- torch. That was me. So I have yeah, been watching since the first season of survivor. Um, but it was always something that like our family did together and not something that I really looked at analytically in terms of like the strategy and, and all of that until I was much older. And so when I, you know, went to, when I went to college, I think sometime in there around my sophomore year of college, around the same time that I started bouldering and everything, it was when I was going through this nasty breakup and all this. And I was thinking, okay, now's the time to invest yourself back in all those things you love. And let's figure out what's, you know what's going on with Survivor is there cuz I I had never had any friends who watched or um you know maybe a couple people on the bus that I would say oh did you catch that episode last night but enough, no we would never talk you know strategy or any of that um but my really only connection with the Survivor universe still was sometime in high school I had made a Twitter account but I made My Twitter account with the sole purpose, this is going to sound so ridiculous, of being able to keep up with Boston Rob and what he was doing. So that's literally like on my computer, you would click on the bookmark and it wouldn't go to, you know, my Twitter page. It would go to Boston Rob's Twitter page just so I could be like, oh, cool. Look what he's doing. (laughs) Um, And at some point he must have, you know, retweeted or tweeted about uh, being on Rob has a podcast. And, um, of course I knew, you know, who Rob Sester was and all of that. But I remember seeing it vividly and being like, Oh, interesting. He has a podcast and just not clicking on it. And that was it. And then, so that was sometime in high school. And then later on in college, I, I think I eventually went back to that and I realized, oh, this is like a legitimate thing now that he's actually doing. I thought it was just, you know, a couple little podcasts here and there, but I didn't realize it was a whole empire that he had built at that point. Um, And I think, gosh, I want to say one of the first ones I listened to was like a Spice an Hour or something. So just something not related at all. But for a while, for a good six months to a year, all I listened to were the... um, the know-it-alls and the amazing race updates uh you know with jessica and so i listened to those but i i never clicked on anything else i pretty sure i did most of that through his app or or actually no it was mostly just on youtube so i was just even not even uh i never even looked at the website or anything like that but i eventually got really interested in like I had never listened to people analyze Survivor in the way that he was. And so I listened to the evolution of strategy like twice and did a whole full series rewatch along with them. And that was kind of when everything changed. And I realized that people were, uh, you know, that there was a community built. So I became a patron so that I could actually get involved with that. And that's been really, really great to feel like you're not just the only person in your town or whatever who even knows these shows exist, because I'm sure everyone who's, you know, involved with reality TV nowadays, you, you always meet those people who you ask, Oh, are you watching survivor big brother? And they say, Oh, that's still on. Huh? Didn't know that. Mm. Of course I, you know, so that, that's kind of what I felt like for a really long time. But um, yeah, the, becoming a patron was really probably the way that I got the most involved. And then, Um, and then started, okay, this is really sad, but Big Brother 19 was my first season of Big Brother that i watched (laughs) ever because I had, at this point, I've been listening to the podcast for a while and I I knew certain things about Big Brother. Um, I had heard, you know, Virgin King being chanted a lot (laughs) on- survivor podcast i'm like what what are they even talking about and um but i always felt like just because i knew that it was over the summer i always felt like oh that's too big of a commitment i can't get into that um i i also in my mind thought big brother was just the real world i thought they were the exact same show i'm like eh, i've seen the real world didn't really like it so i don't need to get involved in this um but then i think eventually must have been last summer rob put out a podcast saying basically here's why people who like survivor should try watching big brother so i gave it a shot watched big brother 19 not the best introduction to big brother uh, i should say but but i i made it through um only watched the show i didn't i didn't even really understand what feeds were but i listened to all the feed updates so i did that but of course i was i didn't want to be spoiled on the show so i would end up saving like three or four (laughs) days worth of updates watch the episode and then go back and listen to the updates for those so it just it was ridiculous and really dedication yeah it was well it was really hard to handle of course last year you know the morning updates were only like 30 minutes long because nothing was happening but uh but that was that was really fun being able to do that and then i felt like I felt like the worst fan because when I ended up getting involved in sequester and, you know, talking to Audrey and Ramses who was on my season. And then I met, you know, uh, big Meach through that. And, and, uh, Tiffany, and I had no idea like who any of these people were. And so people are like, Oh my gosh, we're meeting, you know, Michelle. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, (laughs) but, uh, but it was, but it was, it was really fun. I know Ramsey's was at least, but. He'll hate me cuz I was part of his uh part of his vote off. So, whatever.
0: <laughs> well, but it was,
1: yeah, it was really cool being able to get thrown into this community that I felt like, oh shoot, if I've been watching if I had been watching for years, this would be like meeting, you know, celebrities, but I didn't really know. (laughs) I didn't really know who they were.
0: Well, so you you said you listened to uh, Audrey's Taryn show interview, and that's what convinced you to go try out sequester. Like what was the thought process there to go from somebody who just enjoyed the shows and the podcasts to somebody who wanted to like go and try and participate in something like that?
1: So I had no concept of the, Like online reality game community, I didn't know that that existed at all. And so when I heard the Taryn show interview and the way she described it, I thought, oh, this sounds like, you know, just a smaller online version of one of these reality shows. And I've been trying to get on, you know, Survivor for years. So might as well try this. And I think literally the same day I listened to that, that interview, I went on online because she was casting for, uh, season eleven, and I went on, applied, and within a day had gotten an email back from her saying, "Hey, you know, you let's get let's get you in the interview process and all that." So I was really excited. It all happened really fast, and it was uh, it was really cool. For I know that you know some people have mentioned like, why would you why would you want to you know get involved with uh, orgs or, or sequester or whatever when when you could just hold out for the real thing? And I'm like, it's not like people pick these these games because they don't want to be on you know the other shows it's more like the real you know realistically we're not all going to get on these reality shows and this is a pretty close second in terms of not notoriety but in terms of like actual gameplay and being able to test yourself strategically and i had always thought it would be really fun to go um to go on survivor just to see if i could do it uh and uh if only there were more people who didn't just want to go on these shows to get Twitter followers or whatever. So I think that it's it, it's actually a great way to see how you would do. And uh immediately with Sequester I was sort of told, "Hey, you know that whole plan you had coming into this? That's not going to work <laughs> and no one is buying this." So time to change up and I was a huge underdog um not like the good kind not like the rootable kind more like the kind that everyone just hates but they don't have an alliance so it was really it was not great it was like people were trying to get me voted out but not because I was a threat or not because I was you know doing anything it was just because I was you know a loner who was an easy vote so um I ended up through some luck and just winning at the right time and being able to convince people that other people were bigger threats. I made it pretty far and I came in fifth place. So it was it was a great time. Uh, I owe a lot of the friends I've made online and the involvement to being on sequester. So and I guess to you, because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have found out about sequester without the Terran show.
0: Yes, you're welcome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh well what what happened you said you said you went in with a plan but that didn't work like what 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 happened that caused that whole underdog thing to happen?
1: Okay, it's really dumb, but basically what happened was the first night I I had listened to the there, there was a cast assessment that some people had done and um Gosh, I can't even remember who it was. but I think previous previous sequester players had done a cast assessment and it was released like one or two days before the game started. So I was watching the cast assessment and listening to it and reading all the comments. And there were a bunch of people in the chat who had picked someone and I don't even remember who it was, but one of the, you know, one of the contestants, it didn't seem like anyone online liked them. So when I came in the show on the first night, I, basically told a couple people like, oh, you know, the, the viewers don't even like this person, so we should go after them, just trying to get, you know, the heat off me. And, um, you know, the way Sequester works is you're you're playing it online and you're you're not able to look at, like, Twitter or, or whatever else, your phone, you know, whatever else is going on. You're just playing this game for two hours and then the show's over and then you get online and you see, okay, what did people think, you know, because they're tweeting live while it's all happening. So I finish up, the, uh, you know, the, the episode that night and I turn off my camera and I get on Twitter and I realize, oh my gosh, everyone on Twitter is screaming at me saying, Mary's cheating. She's looking at Twitter. She's cheating because she knows we don't like this person. And based on the rules, I wasn't allowed to really interact with them or, um, you know, comment and defend myself. And I was, you know, just breaking down thinking, Oh no, not only is my life in the game probably ruined because anything that, you know, the other contestants can use against you is just a reason to vote you out. But I also like felt like my, my online reputation was already ruined because of this. And I'm like, don't people realize I just listened to the cast assessment? I wasn't, I wasn't cheating. So, um, because of that, I was a really early target for the first like three nights just because I think people knew that everyone on Twitter was mad at me. So they would just, do that and uh that was not great luckily there were a lot of really big other threats um around hamza was on our season shout out to bb can six hamza uh and um unfortunately for him i guess uh he was another person who i just tried to help push the vote onto him it seemed to be going in that direction so uh luckily he actually did much better on bb can six than he did on (laughs) Squester. so (laughs) no shade love the guy but uh but yeah so that was that was part of it and um and then mostly I just tried to I the, the competitions on these shows too are so difficult you don't you look at them and you don't think they're that hard. It's, you know, Oh, just you're knocking over some cups with rubber bands or, you know, stacking things using a spoon in your mouth or whatever. They're impossible. And some people are just amazing at them, but I would practice for hours and hours and hours. And then I would turn on, you know, um, you know, Skype that night to do it. And I, it's like, no one, I'm not even in front of, legitimate cameras. There's no producers. And I would get nervous while I was doing the things. I'm like, I'm just here in my house by myself and I can't I can't knock over these freaking cups with a rubber band <laughs> or uh, it was just ridiculous. So competitions did not go as well as I thought they were. I thought I was just gonna comp beast it out. Didn't happen. So, my next strategy was doing the thing that they always try to do on Big Brother, and it actually worked, which is coming up to someone and saying, "Hey, everyone thinks we hate each other. Let's make a <laughs> secret alliance and it worked though we we made it we made a secret alliance. we really flipped the game around and there were a couple twists that really worked in our favor. One night, the twist was you didn't have to have the votes for like the the um you didn't have to have the majority of the votes. you just had to have the highest odd number of votes to get someone out. So uh, with us and one other person, you know, three votes that could be the most if another group of, you know, six tried to vote against us. So we happen to really work a couple of twists in our favor. And uh, from that point, Of course, it doesn't help because when you make a big move, Twitter starts loving you. But then everyone knows you made a big move. So you get targeted then. And uh, that's kind of what happened. So it was it was a roller coaster of being hated by the viewers. And then I guess sort of being liked and then getting voted out. So I feel like I went out as a threat. So that's okay.
0: I didn't I didn't realize uh, sequester had competitions like knocking cups over with rubber bands.
1: Yeah, they're really really competitive. They I, really are.
0: Look, I uh back when I worked for an actual company uh was the champion of uh those those games. I won a couple hundred dollars.
1: Oh, nice. Well, um I know that you don't drink, so you probably don't play like flip cup or or anything, but uh, I
0: don't. Yeah, you'd think I would be <laughs> terrible at it <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I was thinking, I was like, man, I just got out of college. I'll be great at this kind of thing. Nope, not even a little bit. Um, I'm try- Gosh, I can't even remember what all the challenges were. I think the one that I won was an endurance competition where you just put a pillowcase over your head, and whoever just sat there with the pillowcase over their head for the <sighs> longest would win. Um, but the, the twist was you didn't know... Um, you didn't know when other people would quit Mm. because you could choose to participate in the contest or not. And if you didn't, you could spend that time strategizing and talking with other people. And if you were in the competition, you had to just sit there silently by yourself. So uh, that night was the night that Ramses and I were the only two people to decide to participate in the competition. And I just thought, okay, I'll just sit here and take a nap or something uh, and just hope that I'll sit here for two hours and just hope that At the very least, if we both last the whole time, he's not safe and I could try to get the votes on him. And I think after, you know, ten or fifteen minutes, he decided he thought it would be a better idea to go strategize, and then I and then I won. I didn't realize I won for, you know, a while after that. So I'm just sitting there by myself for a really long time having already won. Because that was the other thing. They didn't tell you when you were the last person.
0: So how long were you sitting there with a pillowcase over your head already having won?
1: I think it was probably, you know, 45 minutes or so. Um, but I, I, we still had our headphones on and I was listening. I did not hear like even rustling or any movement from anyone else. So I really thought that I was probably the last person. And, uh, and then luckily I was, <laughs> otherwise it would have been a pretty bad mistake. But, but I, it was a, it was a double, a double eviction night too. So I didn't want to, you know, waste the whole second part of the night. Ah. <sighs> It was it was great. But that's the really hardest part about sequester is the fact that you can't really make alliances unless you have a huge majority because Twitter just blows up everything each night. So it's like a a game starting from scratch every single night, because if you had an alliance and was really public about it, then people would just find out and target you. So you had to you had to kind of start from scratch every night or just hope that you could convince people that you weren't actually working with people because Twitter would also lie and tell, you know, tell us that certain people were doing things that they weren't. So it's a fun game, but man, is it, is it complicated?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I, so, so you, you, get off sequester Now you're, now you're, you know, you you said, you mentioned you're doing some Twitch streaming. Uh, What are you doing with that?
1: Yes. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I want to, market myself as and really be in terms of twitch streaming i'm currently playing the really great uh ratchet and clank up your arsenal yes. game so it's uh i i wanted to pick something to start out with that i actually really enjoyed and felt like i could talk a little bit about because not at the twitch streaming level of having a super interactive audience that you could talk with that would definitely help <laughs> uh you know i i think and i that's why i also think that you do such a good job On these morning updates when you have to do it by yourself, because it can be hard sometimes just to kind of talk (laughs) randomly by yourself without anyone to bounce anything off of. So uh, working on it, but eventually I'm probably going to move into, you know, the more popular games that everyone plays. I don't play Fortnite, so I can't really Mm. get into that. But I I did play a lot of PUBG and Overwatch and other things. And so maybe I'll do that or maybe I'll just play like the Harry Potter computer games because that would be fun, wouldn't it?
0: it would <laughs> yeah those
1: are great if you haven't played those those, those i are played
0: amazing. one i think that was on the playstation one i think it was okay
1: it might be a similar kind of thing
0: yeah it was pretty it was pretty it's pretty, pretty bad actually um there's,
1: there's a lot of really great old pc games uh growing up we used to play a lot of the nancy drew games i don't know if you ever played any of those either but those are amazing i did not and they're really scary so you know lots of jump scares in a in a video game that's. text base. So those are, those are fun. But I think that's also why I wanted to do the Twitch streaming stuff because growing up, we would just huddle around our one computer and watch each other play. And so I enjoyed not even necessarily being the one playing the game, but Mm. just talking about it and watching it. So I have been watching people not, not on Twitch, but like on um, YouTube and stuff. I've been watching a lot of that for a while, uh, over or not over um undertale was one of the best games to not even play but just to watch and get involved in like that whole fan base without really playing it so uh figured i might as well start myself
0: yeah there you go Uh,
1: at that time i didn't think i was ever going to get into get an opportunity to do any kind of podcasting so
0: (laughs) Well, so, so now you are, you, you know, you've, you've been on some updates, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're doing some stuff there. Is that, is this something that like you want to try to do more of? Is this something that you're interested in or is it just something that you're doing for fun right now? Uh,
1: no, podcasting would be like my dream. I mean, all of that kind of thing. I always wanted to be the person who would read for audiobooks. Mm. That's what I always really wanted. <laughs> I have like, I did a lot of acting and, and stuff growing up and, um, I don't have the best singing voice. So any kind of opportunities to do more like reader's theater or, you know, I was always that kid in class volunteering to read the book (sighs) aloud when you had to do that. I just really like that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I I had always wanted to do some sort of podcasting type thing. Um, And that's why my my sister and I started a podcast several months ago well it had a couple false starts because we didn't know exactly what we wanted to podcast about uh and then we settled on the niche area of revenge which is a tv show from 2011 so really really topical and on everybody's mind of course course. Uh, so that's what we (laughs) that's what we started podcasting about but but yeah the the reality tv stuff is much easier to talk about than um you know, scripted television, because you are guessing what's going to come next. And you can analyze people much, much more than written characters. Not that you can't like, you know, when you're watching Game of Thrones or something, that kind of thing you can really discuss because there's a lot there. But, you know, how much can you really analyze friends? Probably a lot, actually. There's probably some great videos on that, but I don't have that kind of talent. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, I, uh, there are, there are great like videos, like video essays and stuff on shows and movies. Uh, one of my favorite is every frame of painting, which is actually no longer, no longer a thing. Um, Mm. cause, uh, they shut the channel down, but, um, but I often find that like uh many of them are just like they just talk themselves in circles. They're like, well this shot is great because of this and this was the intention here and it's just like I don't even know what you're saying at this point. You're just saying nonsense. Like I, I I have no idea like I don't think you you actually believe what you're saying. You're just you're just pro- producing content over and over. Um but uh yeah, you know, it, it it's it's hard. It's hard to talk about scripted stuff because it is there's a lot less to Read into if that makes like, um, obviously, like, it, it's almost it, for me, I find the same difficulty talking about Survivor versus Big Brother, where survivor there's still an edit to talk about this i almost have to pretend that the edit doesn't exist in order to properly talk about the show because when there's an edit there's like well this is the narrative and like we're talking about a narrative whereas big brother is like this is life this is everything that's happening and uh and you know there's infinite uh possibilities in terms of like what we can talk about and possibilities and scenarios and uh and people and events and everything
1: and that was something with big brother that i didn't even realize i didn't realize until you know last year when i started watching it that it had the live aspect to it i didn't realize that it wasn't edited um and so that that is something that it definitely has over survivor in terms of being able to podcast about unless you're really interested in talking about the edit and analyzing that and and that's a lot more you can almost get into like Film study and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing when you when you really analyze it that way and luckily I feel like Survivor has recently been trying to mess with us a little bit in terms of the edit I think they realized people were on to what they were doing uh, in in a couple instances but but yeah the like on YouTube there are a couple video essay channels that are really good Lindsay Ellis is a great one um, and uh, Pineapple Boy Films does some that are really good but the thing is with those is you can't just say, oh, I'm going to talk about, you know, I don't know, Twilight and <laughs> make a really great video about it uh, just by, you know, talking for 10 minutes to my camera. That takes like knowledge of a lot of stuff beyond and research and editing skills. And and so that can be a whole different, you know, fun thing to get involved in. But it's not at all uh, the same as just being able to turn on your camera and or, you know, microphone and, and podcast for for a while. Uh, it's, it's a different skill set. Um, but, but I was also really like, I, I also studied, um, cinema in college in addition to my computer science degree. And so I really, that was really where my passion was in college, just in terms of like the stuff I could learn while I was shutting my brain off from all of the math and science. And, um, So I've never had like the best talent for that. But it's it's always something I've been really interested in beyond beyond making some really, really quality videos with my family growing up. Let me just tell (laughs) you, uh, Jane Bond, quality, Harry Pooter, another really quality video. So made a lot of parodies, mostly.
0: Mm, Yes. uh, Classics, I imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, which may or may not be online somewhere. So I might need to hunt those down now that I've just said this to the world. So, oh, gosh. But but yeah, I think that the the video stuff led me into really liking media in general. And uh, I was also a really big reader, so I liked listening to audiobooks just so that I could – you know, paint or or do other things while I was reading. And I know some people think that audiobooks don't count as actually reading books. But if you're getting if you're getting the content, it's, you know, more or less the same because because now also I feel like if I'm if I'm just sitting down and reading a book, I'm wasting time that I could be listening to a book and doing something else. So uh, it's probably just the the culture nowadays of feeling like you can't just sit still and do one thing. I, I, and somehow, somehow, watching a whole season of Big Brother feels like <laughs> I've consumed more media, and you know, it's all just about like quantity over quality.
0: Yeah, I um, I use a site to track all the the things that I watch, and Big Brother is the show that I've spent the most hours watching. But that's literally only the TV show. <laughs> like they don't even count the feeds, obviously, because you can't track like well, having watched the feeds, and, and they also and I also don't have like all the times I've rewatched the seasons in there. Uh, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a lot.
1: Yeah, and and that was something else that I forgot to mention because I realize now that people are probably wondering why in the world I'm. Podcasting about Big Brother when I only watched season 19. I didn't only watch season 19. I spent the last year since then going back and watching two through 14. So I didn't quite make it all the way. My plan was to catch all the way up before season 20, but that's a lot of TV to watch. So I mostly, I I also spent like a month each on like season two and season three for some reason. Those just took me a really long time to get through. Um, And four. And that's probably why I look back and like those some of the most, just because I felt like I really got to know the characters because I spent more, you know, physical time watching them. And then I really sped up and like season 10, I watched in like, you know, a week or whatever. Uh, So so I was trying really hard to catch all the way up. But then I I ran out of time. So uh, I'll have to after season 20, I'll go back and watch 15 through 18. (laughs) So when I talk about things from those seasons, it's literally just stuff that I've picked up from hearing through other people, (laughs) not things I have actual knowledge of.
0: You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people do the same thing.
1: uh, It's it's hard. Um, There's just so much big brother out there. and, And that's one thing also that in terms of like the people who get to go on these shows, you on Survivor, you know, you might get one episode or even maybe not even a whole episode designated to yourself or or your you know your vote out whereas on big brother you get you know except for special cases you get at least you know three episodes of tv time to for people to get to know you and if you're watching the feeds you know a couple weeks so in terms of being on the show if you want screen time it's pretty good just in terms of hours
0: yeah uh is that something do you want to be on big brother someday
1: maybe you know, if you get that opportunity, you kind of need to make the most of it. Yeah. So I, I would definitely be interested in it. I feel like I would lean slightly more towards Survivor just in terms of there's less. Uh, less up for chance in the game. Yep. <laughs> if you uh... and it's not just the twists, because the twists and big brother do affect a lot of things, but more of it is just things can change based on. I, I feel like I would have less control over people because. If I, you know, someone could go behind my back and lie and and try to, you know, make me look bad to someone else. And then all of a sudden I've lost the key vote that I need because I can't just go, you know, spend days and days and days. There's too much time where things can change. And Survivor, things happen so fast that you things don't necessarily change. uh, You know, it's kind of set in stone more, um, which could be good or bad. I mean, it could it could work in your favor, favor. I could have a week to get things to change for me.
0: Yeah, I've always, I've always kind of, uh, said that I feel like survivor is a, a better game if you think that you're good if you think you if you think that you're going to be good at the game because it's easier to control all the variables if you get into a good spot if you're a good player there's a much less of a chance that something will just go wrong and you know things will uh things will all unravel whereas in big brother literally at any moment uh but certainly at any week um the wrong person can get power or the wrong person can speak to another person and then all of a sudden things flip around and you know you know, uh, you're put on the block or, or whatever, and and, uh, and things can go downhill. But there's a lot more variance in Big Brother in general. And I feel like Surviv- in Survivor, the better player is going to win more often than in Big Brother because, uh, you know, things are just more random in Big Brother.
1: Right. And in Big Brother, you know, you on any given week only have to beat one other person. You just can't be the worst out of the two of you. Whereas in Survivor, you... If you're a yeah, if you're a good enough player, you could avoid ever being voted out. but in Big Brother, if you're a good player, you could still happen to get on the block one week and you know people are friends with whoever you're sitting next to so yeah there's there's definitely that's definitely a really good way of of describing it, but I think in the long run, you know if you have an opportunity to go on one of these shows unless your life is just really great at that time and you can't you can't leave uh I feel like I would do it, so (laughs) There you go. I'm definitely still trying to get on these shows. So I try to act all. Oh, maybe maybe I'd say yes, maybe I'd say no. No, I'd just say yes in a
0: heartbeat. (laughs) Who am I kidding? All right. Uh anything else you wanted to talk about?
1: Oh, I don't know. We went we went in a lot of different directions. Uh this has been a it's been a fun conversation. I uh I don't know I don't know how much I should regret whatever I said, but no, it's great. Um the uh yeah, the only other thing is just um promoting my amazing family some more. My my dad just beat a world record, actually two world records, so oh my. trying to trying to hype that. I know. What's what's yeah. the world record? He ran 50 miles while juggling the (sighs) fastest. So if you're interested in checking that out, there's probably footage of that online as well. Wow. But but yeah, that was was a great, great experience. It actually took two attempts. So you attempt something like that and it takes, you know, eight hours. And then, you know, you just decide to do it again because why not?
0: (laughs) Well, at that point, you're pot committed like... (laughs)
1: Well, at that point, we had invested in, you know, bikes with cameras on top to,
0: oh <laughs> to record
1: the whole thing. So you might as well. But that's that's just another thing with my family of like. Just picking something that you think will be interesting and working towards it and, you know, all of my family members do that in different ways, but that's a really nice, easy example.
0: <laughs> I, <So>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> were you a part of this experience? Were you one of the bike riders?
1: I was I was the uh the event coordinator so I basically had to organize all the volunteers and you when you try to break a world record it's not like someone from Guinness comes out and mm-hmm. watches you and just goes oh good job no you have to fill out a ridiculous number of forms and the volu- you have to have 3 witnesses at any given time but they can't work more than 2 hour shifts and you know you, they can't be related to anyone who's involved with the attempt and and all this so So, yeah, there was a lot going on in terms of organizing it. And that was really my job. But but yeah, I was we tried doing it around a track once and ended up realizing that if you run when you when you're running and juggling, your gait isn't quite the same as when you're just running normally because you can't use your arms in the same way and you have to hold them much more still. And so when you're running on a track in the same direction, you end up using only certain leg muscles. And so cramping became a much bigger problem. And so we realized that we needed to be on a very slightly hilly path. Um, and so we found a trail that was two miles long and then just did loops two miles down, two miles back. Or I guess it's not really a loop, but whatever. Two miles down, two miles back over and over and over until you get to 50 miles. And uh, there's some there's some of the the technical details for you. That would
0: drive me crazy. This it's just going back and forth.
1: Yeah, but then you get a world record.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm just saying I would prefer... If I'm going to go 50 miles, I want to I want to travel 50 miles.
1: Yeah, but then what are you going to do? Take a bus
0: back? <laughs> no, maybe 25 miles one way and then 25 miles back okay. the other way.
1: All right. Sure. Well, just just go find a marathon course and do it twice.
0: Yeah. Well, it's because I well, I always because I was in cross country and then when I did track, I was like, oh, well, obviously I'll do the two mile. Um, And then I quickly discovered that, like, especially because I was doing indoor track at the time, I was like, this is insanity. I cannot run around this track this many times. I'm going to go crazy.
1: I never understood indoor track because I can't run. Like when it's first off, because it's it's a misnomer when when they say indoor track, you still have to train outdoors most of the mm. time, and it's cold, yes, and so i I can't run and breathe cold air at the same yep. time that didn't work for it's me, like so knives. I just did yeah, so I just did cross country but uh my my math teacher was also my cross country captain so or coach cross country coach, so there was a lot of uh you know going to calculus, and then going straight to cross-country practice. (laughs) Kind of an interesting, interesting mix. She was also one of my my best friend's moms. So (sighs) this is a weird relationship. (sighs) Fun, though. I was never, like, the best person at cross-country. I was – what I found to be the best spot is if you're in, like, number eight or nine on the team, you get to travel with the top seven varsity, but you don't have the pressure of – being forced to run in all those races occasionally you might have to sub in but then you're just you know you're in like seventh place and that's an alternate so it doesn't even really matter
0: mm. yes i was uh i was never uh never one of the top dogs i was uh, like two of my better friends were like the like stars of the team and then uh like one of them went on to like you know break records at the university of maine or whatever um oh, wow. but uh but which was crazy because like when we started I, like i was like Like, oh, hey, you know, keep up with me. And then like he far, far surpassed me like very quickly. And I was like, damn it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it, it really depends on your body type, too. And, you know, high school, especially there's still some people who like haven't really completely gone through puberty. And so they're just tiny and have a ton of energy and can run really fast. And then, you know, somewhere around like, you know, 10th grade it changes and you like get slower. So
0: yeah, well cause <laughs> that, that was the crazy thing. Cause he, he wasn't athletic at all until he did cross country. I don't even know why, what prompted him to do cross country. And then like, he had these super long legs and like big feet. Um, and they were like disproportionately large legs compared to his torso. Um, and he, he watching him run was like very, very strange. And like, it was like, he didn't even look like he was that athletic. Um, but he was just so good and so fast for so long. It was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, man. I always just read run uh I don't think there was ever a time when I would run a race in cross country that I didn't just constantly think about, okay, how could I pretend to break my ankle? How could I <laughs> be able to get, you know, evacuated from this course? Never did, but I always considered it. And that's it. I mean, running is just like I said, my parents are really big runners, but I've never understood how you can you can never get to the point with running where it's easy because if it gets easy, then you just have to get faster yeah. to get better. So there's no like, oh, I'm a great, you know, I'm I'm great at this sport. I'll just chill at this level. Like running is only ever hard and not fun. But, you know, I mean, it's fun in a different way. Yeah. I liked running because I liked being able to complain about how sore I was <sighs> afterward. Um, and then when I stopped running, I realized, oh shoot, I can't just complain about how tired and sore I am. Mm. So I didn't actually do anything.
0: Yes, the the only thing I ever thought of while I ran was uh, literally singing the entire song in my head over and over. Uh, "Seize the Day" by Vence Sevenfold that was that was my jam. I the any any time I ran, just sang the song over and over and over in my head. I I ran to it.
1: Not "Seize the Day" from Newsies because that's what came to mind when you said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Different <songs. Avenged>
0: sevenfold
1: <laughs> oh man music that's something i really lost once i once i started listening to podcasts, it's like i don't have time for music anymore i used to love listening to music mm, see, now it's just like when i'm driving you
0: switch you switch over uh, anytime you're doing something where you're reading or it, you, you know you're dealing with words you switch from podcasts to music and then when you do something that doesn't require words or attention too much attention you switch back over to podcasts
1: Exactly. I listen to a lot of uh, Electro Swing. So like when I'm when I work and stuff, that's what I listen to. And uh, Electro Swing and uh, Spaghetti Westerns soundtracks. Ooh, <laughs> Those are my jams.
0: <laughs> that must make your life very exciting.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. I I took a class in college just on Western cinema and I had never seen a Western movie. And then I fell in love with the, uh, the Spaghetti Western genre and got really involved in that music and it's it's a great soundtrack for your life but it it's like it's like a a, a different form of hype music but man is it it does it make everything feel like you gotta seize the day
0: <laughs> yeah um all right well thank you thank you so much for uh for doing this with me
1: yeah, no problem. It's been it's been fun.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh a lot, very you did a very good job. Talked about a lot of interesting things. Um Thanks. so uh I I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, hopefully you enjoy listening to just a, a random person talk about their life.
0: <laughs> that's that's what The Terran Show is. It's exactly. it's just random people talking about their lives. That's uh, That should be the tagline. Uh, mm. The Terran Show. A <laughs> random person talking to other random people about their lives.
1: Well, every time I've ever listened to a Terran Show that's not someone I went in knowing, I, those have been the ones that I've liked the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So... You know, everyone should really like this one then
0: yeah, <laughs> nobody knows who you are
1: exactly who's Mary?
0: Well, now who's... they do
1: exactly. you know me too well now,
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, thank you to all of the wonderful Terran show listeners who've been very patient in waiting for the update. again, don't worry, there will always be more Terran shows coming your way. Of course, uh, there will hopefully be a Dan Geesling one, uh, in the future, uh, on, on the horizon. And, uh, I am definitely still working on getting some more guests as we go along. Um, and, uh, hopefully you'll be excited about, uh, some of the other stuff that I am currently in, uh, in progress on. Um, so that should be fun as well. And of course, uh, big brother 20 taking up a, a ton of my time, uh, obviously. Um, but, uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Hopefully you'll enjoy the next one when that comes. And I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated on, uh, on when, we, uh, when we do one next. Probably, uh, probably in a couple weeks we'll, uh, we'll get another one out. So that should be fun. Um, Mary, where can people find you and your, your Twitch and your podcast and everything?
1: Uh, everything of mine is Frail Mary on whatever platform that may be. If you want to look at my podcast, it is Kowski Cast with a K because um, my last name is Kowski, So it's kind of our family motto, <laughs> cows with a K. But anyway, so that's that's for some real good revenge time if you're if you're interested in that. And if not, that's OK. But if you do get in, you're you're now you could be our like 10th or 11th listener.
0: Get in on the ground floor.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, you can of course follow me on Twitter at Armstrong Taren. You can find me on Twitch, uh, Taren Armstrong. And uh, yes, check check out everything that we we've, we've got going on with Big Brother 20 and all of that goodness. Um, all right. Thank you again for listening. I will see you next time. Taran's asking questions. deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the terror Show so you.